Thank you to our sponsors for supporting this episode of Troxel, BQE Core, and Avail. We'll share more about them later on in the episode. Welcome to the Troxel Podcast. I'm Evan Troxel. This is the podcast where I have a conversation with guests from the architectural community and beyond to talk about the coevolution of architecture and technology. In this episode, I welcome Eitan Sarfati. Eitan is a serial entrepreneur with vast experience in the construction sector. He first started his career as an architect and shortly thereafter became the co-founder of Simai Casa, later dubbed Homestyler, a construction tech company he built and sold to Autodesk. After the acquisition, Eitan was the GM of Autodesk Israel, where he led a 200-employee R&D center in various construction tech products. His latest venture is called Swap, where Eitan serves as CEO. The team at Swap includes architects, designers, MEP engineers, AI experts, and data scientists who have joined forces to reinvent architecture and planning. In this episode, we get into the value proposition of the training and role of an architect and the practice of architecture in general in regards to solving complex problems versus spending valuable time drafting, the role that tools currently play in architectural practice and how that could be very different starting now and into the near future because of AI, existing business models including what I'm dubbing the time for money paradox that most firms operate within and how AI and automation is significantly challenging the status quo, and how Swap is capable of doing in seconds what has traditionally taken weeks or months. This is definitely becoming a theme for some of the guests on my show. I hope you'll listen to the conversation to hear just how much of the process his team has automated and what is included in the outcome. Spoiler alert, it's a deliverable inclusive of architecture and engineering disciplines, which is made possible by their intentionally holistic approach in team makeup. Be sure to check out the link in the show notes to see what Swap is currently capable of. This was a fantastic conversation with Eitan, and I hope that you'll not only find value in it for yourself, but that you'll help add value to the profession by sharing it with your network. In addition to leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, it's the smallest act of generosity you can do to support this show directly and to help broaden the reach of conversations like these in my attempt to elevate the industry. I would also appreciate you visiting the sponsors who helped make this episode possible. Thank you so much. So, without further ado, I bring you my conversation with Eitan Sarfati. Eitan, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi, Evan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I appreciate this. This is going to be fun. I, I'm really interested in what you are doing with Swap. I'm more interested in why you're doing it. Uh, I think there's some fundamental issues in the architectural profession that we need to grapple with, and that's really what this podcast is all about. It's about how technology and architecture are co-evolving together uh, and and I you know we both know that a lot of architects ignore the fact that that's happening. I would the audience for this podcast is not that 
audience that they're not those people. Um, they're very much acutely aware of how technology is impacting or has the potential to impact the profession. And so maybe you can just give us uh, a, a version of the story that makes sense for this podcast of, of how you got to where you are, a little bit of your history so that people understand where you're coming from. And then we can talk about why you've decided to choose yourself to, to solve this or tackle this problem. So, you know, you mentioned that uh, your podcast is all about uh, technology and architecture. Um, and if you ask me uh, today, if I'm more of a technologist of more, or more an architect, I wouldn't know the answer. I started as an architect. I, I was never born as an architect, but I started as an architect. Some architects uh, think that they were born architects. I, I don't feel that way. <laughs> I studied architecture and I... You know, I loved architecture and I actually, I still, I'm still loving architecture. I went to work in several firms in, you know, architecture firms. We all know the drill. You know, you start with small tax and then you, you end up doing construction documents all day, right? Um, so that's kind of, um, you know, my, my, the, this is how my career path has started. But I always had a technology side in me. Uh, you know, from the get-go, even from, you know, back in the school days, I, I wanted to do, you know, things, you know, start from 3D modeling, you know, in, uh, physical modeling. I didn't want to do that in school. I just want to do something with, you know, that the software will do that for me. You know, some architects love it. I, I didn't, uh, I hated it. Um, so I actually, you know, I I convinced my my professor <laughs> to uh, allow me uh, not to touch any physical elements but to do everything in the computer which which uh, um kind of encouraged me to stay in school um. <laughs> <laughs> that was the ticket that's interesting for you to say that because in in my education it was like well you you've got to do the drawings you've got to do the physical model you can do other stuff too it was it was like you said earlier both always wins you it wasn't either or for me it was you had to do it all so that's interesting that you were able to convince them to to omit a piece of it I, I had to sell it. I had to sell it. Today, I'm more of a salesperson, you know, in a startup. When you're a founder of a startup, you're more of a salesperson. That's what architects are, too, they, even if they don't want to admit it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they don't want to admit it, for sure. Uh, so I had to sell the idea. And, you know, I, I convinced him that I can do, I can um, convey my project as well as anyone else with physical models. So, uh, you know, through the computer generated models so and i did that um and and i always look for technology to um to streamline the process it was always on my mind and you know this is how i you know i started um working you know a, my first startup was uh, in 2007 when it started um you know, after a few years in, in architecture, I, you know, I founded C My Casa, which became later on became Homestyler, uh, which I sold to Autodesk later on, and it was all about generating the three D uh, uh, scene immediately. That was kind of the goal, not not to model it, not to draw it, not to generate it by hand, but to do it. Uh, automatically, and then you know we put a business model on top of it, and you know the manufacturers came on, and you know became a really successful business. Um, and um, you know I sold it to Autodesk and continued my path in technology in a way that um, I joined you know the the company that everybody loves to hate and love at the same time. 
Depend on, depend on, yeah. <laughs> depend on, yeah. Um, right. I mean, I'm not sure in, 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 in which side you're talking about the hate part or love, love part, but I would probably say that the time at Autodesk was huge for my growth as a technology person, as, as someone who understands how to create software, how to measure uh, users, how to measure, uh, you know, how people using software, how architects using software, construction people using software, and so on. So uh, I spent some time in, in San Francisco in headquarters, came back to Tel Aviv to be the general manager of the Israeli R&D center for Autodesk. And that was a huge experience for me, coming from the user point of view as an architect, all the way to the company that actually create the software that I actually used. So it's, it's kind of a, um, if you think about this cycle, it's pretty amazing to, you know, to, you know, to, to study AutoCAD 12, I think, uh, version 12 from a book, because I, I'm, I'm, there was no, there was no YouTube. <laughs> right. There was no YouTube. There was barely, there was barely a usable internet. Yeah. So, sounds so old, but there was no YouTube and you, you, you could have five tutorials for that. You just, you know, you had to open a book and you just go, you know, function by function. You know, what's, what's amazing, some of the shortcuts that I learned from the book still exist today, right? It's pretty, pretty amazing. Fundamental shortcuts, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like, you know, and, you know, and this is kind of, kind of my career, uh, career path. Uh, but I would probably say that in Swap, I was looking to do something pretty different than what I've done at Autodesk or even the startup that I sold to Autodesk. I looked for something else. I looked for really tackle the problems that I, that I saw throughout my career. And that was not to create another Revit or another AutoCAD or, or maybe another cool feature that can save a little bit more time. That was not my goal. I was, I was thinking very, very hard. You know, when I left Autodesk, I was thinking very, very hard about the role of the tools that we're using. Um, the fact that, you know, architects that are listening now are using Revit or AutoCAD or, or Archicad or, you know, or, or, or SketchUp or whatever, to do what they do, it doesn't mean that they have to do it the same way they do it today. It doesn't mean that uh, it, it fits what they need today from, from the buildings that they built today. Um, and and uh, I would probably argue that architecture haven't changed a lot. The architecture, you know, the process, the planning process haven't changed a lot. I do think that the the programs that you're talking about, which everybody uses all the time, are very much just a, a digital version of what has always happened in architecture, right? And they're they're not coming up with new. There, there's obviously I'm generalizing here. This, there's there have been nuanced changes, but you know, as far as like level of detail that you can go into, you can get a lot more information into a set of plans now than you ever could before in the same amount of time that you used to spend to do something much more representative of what was built rather than what was actually going to be built. And and so we do see the tools that we have today very much so in the replacement of the pencil, you know, for for lack of a better way to say it, a lot of people have said it that way, right? It's the digitization of the pencil, not the true potential of technology. Exactly, exactly, and and uh, and I feel the same way. And this was the trigger 
for swap because I I felt you know both as an architect as also from from the side of the software developer that people are using the software for the wrong things and you know and and I looked at you know the the different verticals around us I looked at multifamily assets for example and I looked at schools and I looked at logistic centers and you know this kind of verticals you know, you, you look at this and, and you know, you know, all over the world, across the country in the U.S. or, or uh, you know, in Europe, uh, in Israel, where I'm coming from, it actually it looks the same. Um, and the fact that it looks the same is, is, uh, is, is also, it also means that uh, the planning looks the same. The planning process looks the same. And there's not a lot of creativity there. It's not why you and I went to school to study architecture. You know, if you have to do a logistics center, you know, you can, you know, you can convince yourself that what you do is really creative or you are generating these logistics centers that is talking to the cultural environment. of. But we all know the truth and we all know that there are certain verticals that all you need to do eventually with the technology that exists today is to click on a button and you'll have from A to Z the entire building in terms of planning. That's that's what I believe in. As in, you know, after so many years as an architect and so many years as a software developer, that there's a lot of a lot of knowledge today, a lot of know-how, a lot of data that is available that you can actually take projects and not spend so much time on them. And that's kind of what what um, trigger me to to go for a swap and actually think of you know and then let me be very bombastic about it creating the largest the world largest platform for architecture because in a way what we do today what we succeeded and we were still of course we have a lot a long way to go we succeeded to do is to take some of these verticals or sub verticals and and you know, generate the entire building. You know, through, from feasibility or from sketch to construction documents in one click, which is pretty amazing. You, you and and we actually use Revit for that matter, not as a drawing tool, but as a three D environment to generate what we do. What, you know, the what the AI can generate. So, and this is mind blowing in 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 my view as an architect because. An architect would probably argue, hey, you know, I have a building, I have to draw, you know, there's a lot to do in order to uh, to plan this building. But what I'm arguing that in certain cases, which are actually a lot of cases, uh, you know how the building will look like, you know about the material, the design decisions are already there. I'm not talking copy-paste, but you actually, you know, you, you actually made up your mind how this building should be constructed and all you have to do is software to take all the pieces together and generate what you wanted to to achieve. And and, and when, when we started doing that, we saw archi- we saw two different reactions from architects. One was, um, "Oh my God, uh, you are going to replace architects!" Like you know. I guess, you know, people that uh, use uh, pen and paper when they saw AutoCAD, 
people that draw for a living. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they say, oh my God, you know, they're, they're going to replace me or people that did AutoCAD in 2D and then all the 3D, you know, came in place and say, oh my God, you know, nobody will use our drawing skills and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I you know, this part, part of the reactions, some reactions were different, but, but these are part of the reactions. And, and what I told them is that I think that I'm, I'm, I'm actually uh, bringing back the joy in architecture, if you think. But I, I actually am bringing back the pen and pencil, if you think. Interesting to think of it that way. This is, I, this is the meat of the conversation that I want to have with you. I think that when you think about... Are you familiar with this this idea of the smiling curve? Have you seen the smiling curve? So I'll, I'll put a link to it in the episode's show notes. But but basically the idea is that, okay, the, the x-axis is time, right? So time of a project, let's call it in this case for architects. This applies way beyond architecture. But if we apply it to architecture, x is time, y is value, okay? And so think about a curve that's the shape of a, of a smiling, you know, it's it's high at the beginning and it's high at the end and it's low in the middle. If you were to assign pieces of the process to that, what would you say are the highest value? Because I think that's what we're really talking about here. We're talking about the highest value that an architect has in the system. And you can we're already kind of foretelling the future. It's high in the beginning and it's high at the end and it is the lowest in the middle, right? So let's just talk about that as an idea because I think what we're actually talking about after hearing what you just said is we're talking about where our value lies. Yeah, I would, I would probably say beginning and the end. <laughs> Maybe like the smile. Uh, beginning and the end. Um, and and th- this is why, why I'm so surprised that so many companies are focused on the feasibility side. Feasibility is very nice. You know, there, there are a lot of tools to, to create feasibility studies, but actually, you know, they, they cut a lot of time, but it, it's a great tool for architects to, you know, use their brain power, which is great. I mean, use, use their brain power and, and solve a really complex site with all these constraints and, you know, cultural uh, um, limitations and 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 uh, effects and, and impact on the project and you know the code itself you know you have to 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 every way is, is according to code and you know the the local authorities and and what you know what a specific uh, clerk in a specific local authority like likes or or, or, or doesn't Reference. like it, sure. it, yeah and this is not for machine to solve right. right this is you know you know sometimes when you do feasibility study in even you know in in the tool with, we also generate some feasibility st- studies, you know, uh, um, add-ons and, and features, you know, a lot of our customers saying, but can you read the mind of our city architect? <laughs> or can you read the mind of this specific person who actually go over the, the plant? So I would probably say that the beginning of the project, there is a lot of value to the architect to understand you know, the complexity of, of where, where he is. And there's, there, what, there's not a lot of time he will spend to solve this problem or this, to tackle this, this puzzle of what he's going to build there and how it's going to, you know, affect the surrounding. And then if you go to the end of the project, when you have to see that everything is in place, you know, according to plans, 
there's also, um, a, you know, you, you can say, okay, technology will replace that because, you know, there will be robots with computer vision that do the inspection. Yeah, okay. But a lot of it's a feeling, yeah. Yeah, but in reality, uh, you have to solve problems on site, even with all the technology that you have today that, you know, say, oh, we're going to reduce the, the you know, the, de- the delays or going to, to reduce the errors on site and, you know, the job site will be perfect. Nothing will be perfect. Well, you know, when people are involved in building until everything will be built by robots, nothing will be perfect. And then you have the architect to come in and, you know, to do the construction administration, you have to do the, you know, the, the inspection and to see that everything is according to, and even solve, solve some, some issues on site. I think this something is, is actually where, where architects will probably excel, you know, in the future. But I would predict that the big chunk in the middle that you have to draw, you know, from, you know, the, the, the you know, D, D, C, D level, which takes, takes months to do that, you'd probably not have to do that anymore. I'm going to read to you. Yeah, I, I want to read to you what the, what the steps along the smile are. And then I, I, what you're saying totally, totally makes sense. And I think there's, there's different ways to apply this. One way we could apply it is to the architect's involvement in a project of a timeline, right? From conceptual design through construction administration. But you could also think of this from the value of perception of architects in, in the public, which could be for, you know, as far as where ideas are coming from and what the value of those are applied at the site level, at the city level, at the community level and beyond, all the way to how people actually experience those built things, right? So there's a couple different ways to apply it, but I'm going to read to you what, what on this graph, and this has more to do with products, but I think if we think of buildings as products for a minute, it'll make sense. The highest value in the beginning, if we again think about the smile, I'm going to read the, the steps from left to right. So at the top left is R&D, highest value, earliest in the project, right? Next is branding. So we're coming down the curve. We're descending down into the pit of despair, right? We have, so R&D, branding, and then design. At the bottom of the curve is manufacturing, right? So for us, that's the drawing that you're talking about. That's the process we go through. So this is the lowest value on the timeline. And then it starts to climb back up. Distribution, marketing, sales, and service. So the two highest points are R&D, which is the big ideas, right? And then the sales and the service, which to me is the client experience. Thinking about it from those two levels. And, and I, there's nuance to all that, but I think that this kind of maps with what you're saying as well, which is, and, and, and I guess the reason I really want to hone in on this with you, you make a tool that kind of takes that part out of the equation. How do we get architects out of their own way to understand that they should not be competing at drafting? Because that is the lowest value thing that they could possibly be spending their time doing. And guess what? They charge money for time. For the hour, yeah. You know, so, you know when you look at reports from the AIA, you see billable hours, mm-hmm. right? Billable hours is the way to build As a metric. project center. That's the metric, yeah. But that's, um, that's not a good metric because this metric is not measuring value. It's, it's measuring time 
and this time can be actually replaced by you know automation right that's the you know that's the the whole thing um how do i convince architects to <laughs> to change their way the behavior um, that's the hardest part um, right um i'll tell you the truth i'm not trying to um i think that it you know it it will happen whether we like it or not because it's 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 a survival game at the end and architects will just you know stay fixated on this notion of billable hours and and you know and and, and not willing to change you know other architects who will go with you know with technology understand you know the the, the way things are are progressing will just take you know take more jobs be more uh efficient and it it will just happen on its own it's just it's, natural it's, it's, evolution survival of the fittest model here <laughs> right. so, so you know and i uh, and and to tell you the truth when i'm selling today i'm i'm partnering with a lot of architecture firms we are partnering together we're doing projects together um that and and um you know when when i'm coming to an architecture firm i'm not trying to sell them anything i'm you know i'm just asking them okay now, how much time do you spend here? I'm going to spend here. Uh, what if you can, you know, by that time, you can click swap and you can generate the entire project, like the entire project. And then, you know, uh, oh my God, uh, you know, so that's, that's kind of blow their mind. What are we going to do? How are we going to build the hours, right? So I wouldn't say, hey, you don't have to tell your customer that it took you uh, 10 seconds rather than three months. I, I don't want to say that or... Or, or or a few days rather than 10 months. You, you don't want to do that because there's you don't want to lie to your customer. You, you want to see, better to say, hey, I'm going to charge by the value. I'm going to go to your customer and tell them, uh, you pay me today, I don't know, 5% of the, the, of the project cost or dollars per square footage, which is a good metric, right? You know, the, the, the larger the project, the, you know, dollars per square footage what if i can give you the results three months earlier how valuable is that how valuable is that mm. are you going to um to save overhead you know you have people working on this project now you don't have to pay them right on you know it just you know reduced three months from, from the project uh schedule what if you have you know you paid interest to the bank you know three months you know, for a specific site, what if you can get people to get in, you know, to sell more apartments, for example, multifamily apartment, sell more apartments earlier in the process so you can actually pay back your interest, right? So there's a lot of value of, of, of taking this, you know, the project time and, you know, getting it shorter. And actually the, the result, the in, in inevitable result will be, you know, for, from the customer point of view, hey, dear architect, we should pay you more. You know, we you know it's X plus dollars per square 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 feet because you brought me more value. So that's the conversation I would love architects to have with their customers to talk about the value that they create. And the value is actually you know for 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 architects customers the value is always about cutting costs, you know, and generating more revenues. Right? It's like the the two two sides of the financial uh, statement. Yeah, you know, if you cut costs, you know, and generate more revenues for them, 
this is this is how you know and when you show them that this is the case they will pay you more they will not tell you hey it took you just you know two days to do that you know wh- why are you charging me so much so this is you know this is something this is an a discussion that I would love to see between an architect and the customer I, I want to talk about that because you since you said you are partnering with architects to deliver projects now I would love to know how that part of it's going so if you have any any thoughts in a minute let, let's jump into that before we go there uh, I want to talk a little bit about swap you said a minute ago generating the whole thing and we've seen a lot of generators out there that generate concepts massing even linked to pro formas right with numbers that they enable people to make decisions early right with with lots of you know in the feasibility time of of a project we've also seen ones that focus on making changes and those changes ripple throughout the whole process to so that you don't have to go back and and coordinate all that stuff but you said you generate the whole thing i want you to elaborate on what that actually means so that people have an idea of what makes swap different than others that are out there actually you know this is the the core of what makes us different i think you you mentioned it and and you mentioned very well you know the different tools in different parts of of the process um whether it's you know, generating massing oh well yeah do you can generate massing but you know how long does it take to an architect to generate the massing you know yeah. to, to, it's fast yeah like, it's, it's fast like, yeah, like it's loose i mean that like, on purpose cu- yeah uh, yeah you know couple of weeks if he's you know not doesn't have you know all the tools and maybe one day if he's really great in, in Rhino or, or Revit or, or whatever. So, so this is one. Um, you mentioned, you know, kind of um, uh, generating uh, changes, you know, and, and make it more. Uh, and, and again, this is something that um, you do and you have to do and it depends what the changes are. And this is something that we can get into uh, later on. What Swap is doing is actually by using AI and a lot of data, and I have to, you know, to give it to the, to the team. I'm, I'm talking and, I, and I'm kind of a salesperson. I'm selling you the idea. But, you know, we have a pretty smart team that are a combination of algorithm developers, which are like data scientists and, and, uh, and machine learning experts, sitting together with good engineers, very highly skilled engineers, Half of the team came from Autodesk, from you know the top products of Autodesk. They know the industry and they know all you know the, the bits and bytes of what is a wall and what is a family and what is a, you know group and everything in Revit and Beam and you know it's kind of our language in the office. And you combine that with um, this is the other part of the team with architects and consultants, traditional architects and consultants which actually everything that they, they do today is not draw or, or, or model something by hand, is actually teaching the other side of the company, the algorithm developers, how they think and how they, and you know, what it means to do the whole thing. What are the limitations? What are constraints? What are the complexities? Hey, what if you do, you know, do another column? How does it affect a below-grade parking? How it should, you know, create an obstacle into the algorithm to generate the, the entire thing in an optimized way, right? So, you know, it's, 
it's super, super complex problems to solve, a lot of problems to solve in order to say, okay, I have eventually, and, and this goes back to you know, your question, how we partner with architects. It goes back to, I have an idea, if I'm an architect, I have an idea for a specific site and I'm coming to swap and I'm saying, this is, you know, this is what I want to build here. Look at other buildings that I built. Use your data also. Swap, please use your data in order to help me understand what I can generate. And then from, you know, all this input coming into the system, you can say, okay, I want to generate DD level and after that CD level um, set of sheets for the product for, for the project to be built. And this, you know, guess what? I want this CD level sheets. I want everything to be coordinated. I want the peers for the HVAC to be in place. I want the columns to work in a specific distances that when a consultants come in, he he's not going to have to, to ruin my entire design. Just you know, just stick a wall in, in the middle of the living room because I just forgot it or I didn't think about it. There's all you know all the things that we all know from our profession, and Swap is solving it in one place under one roof. It's a very complex problem to solve, but it's doable with today's technologies and. And if you have the right people in, in in your company in order to do that, that's you know that's what Swap is all about, and this is why I think it will change radically the way that architects will charge for their projects. I think it changes a lot of other things radically as well, and that, that <laughs> like because I can see the future that you envision, and I wonder what you tell architects when. Basically, you're telling them, potentially, you don't need the staff that you have. You need to sell your services way differently. It's going to take way less time. And, and you know, a lot of people do see this as a fearful thing, like that it's going to replace them. Um, and I, I know that you're, you're not, you're talking to the, the leadership of the company, which is responsible for the business and for where the business goes and how profitable it is. And if they're shareholders and all these different things. And just thinking about it, like there's there's so much kind of uncertainty in this model that you're pre- presenting because you are saying we're going from concepts to CDs in what used to take X number of months into X number of seconds. Like that's a that's a huge kind of I I know I'm sure a lot of people have to see it to believe it kind of a thing. But this to me, you're you're upending everything for them potentially. And I'm wondering, you're saying you're partnering with architects. How are they receiving this? What has that been like for them? How existential crisis driving is this, right? Is, or, or is it something that they're welcoming? Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. In this podcast, I talk a lot about all the realities with my guests. You know, mixed reality, augmented reality, virtual reality, all the realities. And I've got a new message for you from my friends at Avail. Let's talk about the new reality, which is that content, as I've talked about in the previous message from them, both wants and needs to live everywhere. Long gone are the days of saving files to your local hard drive or to a single on-premises server. 
In order to solve remote collaboration, information has moved to the edge. The cloud is king, and the number of cloud services out there dictate that the number of storage locations will continue to grow dramatically. Where do you store your files? BIM 360, OneDrive, SharePoint, Box, Dropbox, AWS, Azure. Chances are you probably save them in some weird combination of those that I just mentioned and more. Well, here's the point of this message. Avail hides the complexity of where content and information resides. What file to use used to be your biggest concern. Now it's where do all those files live. Avail takes where out of the equation, which means that with Avail, you can actually find your mission-critical and not-so-critical files too, right when you need them. Avail helps get you the information you need faster. Go to getavail.com today to learn more. Systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want. You need systems and procedures. But you struggle with choosing the systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so you can get back to doing what you love most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by an acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to become managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Teeger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free and is brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now let's get back to our conversation. You have to really think about the, you know, the solution and about the future that we present in a, in a way that there's nobody to blame, first of all. You know, if, if technology is there and can solve these problems, can, can do it, there's no, no one to blame. That's the one. If, and if you think about, and you talk about two different segments, the leadership and, you know, the, you know, the day-to-day people that just work in architecture firms. Of course, the leadership see it as, you know, a good thing. Hey, you know, we're going to cut costs. We're going, we're going to be more profitable, you know, more productive. And this is why they're partnering with us. And when I say partnering with us, is actually, we actually, re- you know, we, we, we share revenues with them. We actually, we, we bring customers to them. Sometimes we bring the customer to them and share revenues. It's kind of a, a new idea of, hey, why are you giving us projects? Because I think that you're good at what, what you do and I'm good at what I do. And so win-win. So I can bring you a project, you know, 
and and together we can do it even better than what what I I would do it alone and or or you would do it all by yourself. So the partnership is a win-win for the leadership. Um, you mentioned about the people and you know this uh, dramatic change in the industry. I don't think it's so dramatic. If you think about it, it, let's say that a company has 50 employees or 100 employees, but they're doing today 10 projects. They don't have to lay off all the, you know, all these people. They can take 100 projects and do it with the same amount of people. And God knows there is a demand <laughs> and there is a shortage in, in, in construction. So in a way, if you think about swap, I really feel that we contribute to this shortage of labor in both in construction and, and, and in architecture and to the shortage of apartments, a shortage of, of the built environment that you have, you know, we have to do. And it's not only in the U.S. You know, in many places in the world, you have to build really, really fast for the growing uh, population. So it's not that there is not enough work. There's a lot of work, but 10 people, what, what 10 people can do today in an architecture firm, you know, 10x that, they will do it in the future. So how are firms that you are partnering with uh, receiving and, and basically taking advantage of this? I, I'm just wondering because I, I do really feel like we're talking about a behavioral shift. And so I'm just wondering how that's going because I think that's a lot of people who listen to this show have been through this time and time again is adoption, behavior shifts. Those are the hard things, right? Because you're talking about changing behavior and a lot of there's there's things that architects hate at the top of the list is change right so i'm just wondering how how that's going for you what you're experiencing you know one of the mistakes that we're doing sometimes in podcast and sometimes in software and in our industry is talking about architecture like it's one thing uh, i i always i always tell a joke when 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 you know every startup and every venture that i have uh, I have an investor telling me, "Are you approach? You know, are, are you re- going to the European market?" And I'm always telling him, "There is no European market. <laughs> there is the German market. There is the Spanish market. There is the UK market. It's different by culture, different by usage. It's different. It's all. The, there is no European market for that matter. And when we talk about architecture, we're kind of doing the same thing. We're saying architecture." You know, an architect, the, an architecture firm doing all-day multifamily projects is not an architect architecture firm doing all-day education projects. And we all know that there are architects that 99% of their work is education or 99% of their is multifamily. Architects that are doing single-family, attached and detached, <laughs> are not the same architects that are doing hospitals. It's a whole different thing. You know, there are architects that are doing all around, but... If you think about the the profession and what you actually do on a day-to-day basis, it's very, very different. So, you know, for, for what you ask, I would probably say that architecture firms that have a specific vertical that they, you know, ec- their expertise are, is there working with us very well because they are already kind they they develop their own machine kind mm-hmm, of sure. but without technology yeah right they have their own algorithms but they're they're encoded into something else <laughs> they're in people in people in people and in folders and you know even if, if they have like windows 95 and god knows that that some some firms have you know uh you know f- 
folders, everything's in place, they have a process, and it's a very, very streamlined process. And the change of behavior there, it's something that, okay, let's make our machine better. Let's generate more. Let's, you know, because we, we're already very, you know, effective what we do, but we understand that there is a way to be more effective. Let's do that. Let's be more productive because we already have this mindset. Architects that will just do villas, you know, tailor-made uh, private houses would probably say, hey, we don't understand what we are doing. And I would probably tell them, I, I, you know, <laughs> I don't have anything to sell to you, right? You know, stick to your own thing. You're a different kind of architect. You know, you're doing something else or you're doing like this tailor-made interior design. It's not something that, you know, Maybe someday machine learning will pro, you know would would solve that too, but why? <laughs> you know why should someone develop something you know to, to solve that? There's no there's no actual reason. But if you think about you know a larger chunk of the market, this is where Swap is is working today, and we are talking to to, to working with with you know people you know architecture firms that are doing education. Um, Logistics centers, multifamily, these are the, the, the companies that receive the idea very well. You'll be surprised how well they receive the idea because they understand that at some point their creativity stopped and they became a factory for what, you know, for their services. And 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 they want to be profitable. And they don't want to have the customer tell them, hey, you know, oh yeah. How much time did you spend on this, or how many hours? And they need to say, "Oh my God, we're, we're you know, we we you know, we, we don't see a lot of margins of on this project. They want to be more productive, you know, in order to you know to get more, you know, to, to get more more uh, uh, profits to to you know, um, to to the leadership or even to get better salaries to their employees. So these companies see us as a win-win, and this is where where we focus today. I could see that being a competitive advantage if if they do think through it like that. I, I'm wondering if they're offloading risk by partnering with you because I, I do we do see this a lot. Architects are very risk averse, right? And so adoption of new technology comes with learning curves and time investments and things that people can't take the time to do that and the stuff they're doing right now. And and you definitely can't just swap out A for B overnight, right? You can't swap out the existing way we do things for a swap and and be up and running. I mean, you you could, but it's risky again. So that's why I'm wondering, like, are they they're out? They're just putting that risk or pushing it down the road by partnering with you up front to kind of hold their hand and show them what's possible. Is how successful has that been for you? It sounds like it's the way you're pursuing business right now in, in many ways. But but tell us like how that's how that's working out. It, it's very successful because they don't see us as a risk. That you, you know when I come into when I come into to a, a meeting with an architect, I present myself as an architect first and foremost. So and and I, I'm a true believer of technology companies that were founded by traditional professionals. Like, you know, if, if you take the ecosystem... You really understand the problem, yeah. You understand the problem and you respect 
your customers and you respect your 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 partner. You, I'm, I'm not coming from you know a patronizing point of view and telling, hey, you should do that, you know, do this or do that. Oh, how? Why don't you use technology? Oh, I'm the software developer. I'm not saying that. And you know, there are a lot of companies in our ecosystem that were founded by you know pure software developers and i don't see a lot of success there 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 is a reason to that because when they come to their customers they're kind of an outsider the discussion it, it, they don't speak the same language the discussion gets stuck when an architect is telling you know the software developer hey you know you know what about you know lod this or what about this detail that i is you know I I need to to be dynamic because it's, it doesn't fit every the it you know this discussion is just stuck because the the person who haven't spent one hour as an architect dreaming forgive forgive me for saying that dreaming about trimming lines or or having nightmares about nightmares. trimming lines yeah, I've had those nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> So, so if, if you didn't do that, there is no way you're going to convince technology will solve the problem. But when I come to, 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 to the meeting, I tell, hey, I'm an architect. I'm using it. I'm eating my own dog food. I'm, I'm using it for my projects. I'm gener- you know, the construction document generated by AI here, I review them. As I, re- I would review you know, a junior architect doing you know, the job for me. So there is no risk for them because I'm coming from their industry. I respect them very, very well. And, you know, and, and actually, you know, very much, um, very, very much being transparent of what I can or, can or can't do or what technology is good for or not good for. Makes me think of, of if, if an architect has 10 projects on their plate right now, say their office is handling 10 projects. It would be very easy to say yes to because that's what they need to cover, you know, this year. It would be very easy to say, hey, let's do number 11 with swap this year, right? And just let's test those waters. Again, it's a little bit of risk aversion. Evan, it's more, it's more than that. I'm telling you. They have 10 projects. They have 10 projects. And this is the state of the industry. There's no point of, of hiding it. They have 10 projects. They, they have a queue. For, for these projects, they have customer banging on their doors and say, no, it will, you know, I, I'm going to, to hand it to you in two months because, or, or three months because they don't have enough people and the younger generation is leaving to tech companies because young architects are very smart. They can be product managers and UX designers and, and do uh, 3X, you know, for, for the comp they, they do in an architecture firm. And the ones that, already have experience, the ones that we have five years, suddenly leaves them and, you know, leaves a hole in, in, in their firm. And suddenly they have these 10 projects and they don't know what to do with it. So you know what they do? They go to India to start drafting, out, outsource drafting or, or um, you know, Russia or something that when the labor is very cheap, but then the, the quality mm-hmm. suffers. Is, yeah. is, it suffers. And your reputation. Yeah. And, <laughs> And when when I come in and they see they see the outputs of the system, they say, "Huh, you know, let's work on project number seven, and eight, and nine, and you know what? Let's think about the system how we can do the next ten projects together." And this is what makes me 
believe in, in swap in technology that is very scalable business because you will not generate a solution for one project. You can generate a solution for the company design, for the design of this company and actually partner with them for many projects to come. So it's convincing. You're saying it's very convincing. <laughs> well, and, and something that I think about is, you know, this actually came up over the weekend. Uh, I was just thinking about how leadership and firms are disconnected from the people doing the work. And as we just kind of talked about the smile curve, where the lowest point of value in a firm are the people who are doing the drawings, which is, you know, very much what we're saying in this conversation. And and what we're saying is instead of doing that part, you can be doing better things, right? Not just more things, but better things. Because I think a minute ago you were talking about doing more things, but I think we are actually talking also about doing better things, that which architects, like you said earlier, went to school to learn how to do and have a bigger impact on the world. And I, I think about this from a more is not necessarily better, right? More projects, even though there's plenty of work out there, it doesn't mean that more is going to ha- make me have a higher quality of life, more job satisfaction. In fact, it could be the opposite, right? More projects could be lower in those things because it gets monotonous. You're in this very much a assembly line mindset. Um, so I really, I, I, there's a balance still to be achieved here. And I think, I think the the morale boost of not having to do the busy work that that you're talking about taking out of the equation is a huge step in the right direction. So that we can focus our brain cells on more important things, the the actual user experience at the end of the smile graph. What can we do to make people's lives better? So when they walk into an office or a a building, a public building that an architect creates, their life is uplifted. That that's what architecture has the power to do. It has the power to change people's perception and their experience and their day to day life. And and or, we do or simply or simply put, what you've been uh, doing in in the five or seven years that you spend in architecture school. This mm-hmm. is what you back you studied the, for. Back to that, right? Right. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to think about this. So so what are you excited about? Where do you where are you guys going next? I mean, actually, before I get to that part, I do want to get back to something you brought up earlier. We'll we'll end with the where do you where do you what are you excited about and where do you think you're things are going next? But you said something earlier about um using Revit as part of this process. Can you just explain because I don't think we've ever actually even gotten to the point of you are doing through CD level drawings with AI, right? And so maybe we can just take a few minutes for you to really kind of lay out what the tool that you've developed does and how how it potentially plugs into other things. I don't understand any of that, so maybe you can you can just spell all that out for us. Yeah, a lot of people are bad mouth bad mouthing Revit. <laughs> um, there is, a, of course, it's not the perfect solution in in today's uh, world and. Uh, but today everybody's using Revit, you know, like eighty percent. I, I don't know. I don't know the actual. It's a big number. It's uh, it's you know the the majority of architecture firms are using Revit as their production tool, and I would argue it's not a bad tool um, for production. It's a bad tool for the, the you know the the design, the, you know the, the the design thinking when when you're designing. In the, if we could go back to the sketches with your pen and paper, this would be like the ideal, right? You know, you have a pen and paper, you design, you, you are free 
no limits. You have or the limits that that you know about. You know, if you're an, an, an experienced architect, probably the design that you the sketch will be very very accurate and by code <laughs> from the first sketches, right? Um, and and Revit will not replace that. And, Rev, and and you can probably solve the project, the main problems or the main issues in a project with pen and paper if you're a good and experienced architect. So, and and when when companies are using Revit from the starting point, I think this is where much of the frustration is coming because it forces you to use all these constraints from the software, and you ended up with hey, why it's not so creative, or why why you know why it's not dynamic because I just use the same blocks and the and families and, and so forth. And there's a lot um, of pressure inside of firms to try to limit the number of tools used, right? Like that's definitely a, another constraint that kind of pushes in the system, which is operations wise. Can we limit everything to one application so that we can just train people in the one application, right? And the stuff is on this constant timeline of production and progression throughout the, and it's all in one place and everybody knows what that is. Mm-hmm. And and in a way, this is why we we never called what we do a tool. You know, Carl Bass, uh, the former Autodesk uh, uh, CEO, uh, once told, "Hey, we are tool makers." But I don't see what Swap is doing today as as a, as a tool. You know, hey, here is a tool for the architect to go, you know, dynamically, you know, change and be very creative. You know what we do. We're saying there are enough tools for that. You know, the best one is the pen and paper. Go and use it, and you know, use the best thing you can do. It is schematic design you can do with pen and paper, or if you are a little bit more advanced, quote unquote, go and do AutoCAD schematic designs. And this is it. You know, we, you have enough design decisions there. We have a processing swap of how to get into the system more design decisions so what is a room what is you know uh, uh what are the connections between the rooms and you know the programmatic requires and more like that a lot of let's call the financial aspects of a project are we going to do affordable housing are we going to, you know the construction efficiency is marketability is more of a you know uh, uh, there's a lot of things inside that you can input to the system you can and, and what we're trying to identify from the beginning is who is our partner? What is the type? Because every architect has a style and he loved using this cladding or this material. So who is our partner? And then once you have that and you combine it with a lot of data that we aggregated throughout the years and you combine it with a very sophisticated algorithm, you can generate a really advanced and detailed design for the architect either to continue, you know, make some changes or do whatever he wants, or let's end the project, you know, with swap and see that, okay, this is good, it's compliant, all the details are there, all the sheets are there, and, you know, let's move to construction, you know, as fast as possible. So the process with swap is, is not really as a tool, it's more of a kind of a streamline of, a streamline of a process that took a lot of time, but now can be very, can, can be shortened radically. So does the, the output of swap go into something else or are you just explain how you're actually delivering the end result? 
construction documents as well, you know, uh, everybody knows them. Our output is Revit. In Revit, you can actually generate both the model and the construction documents, all the sheets in one place. Yeah, that's this is something that we found it very much comply with, with everything that the industry work with. You know, if we chose to do it with, you know, Archicad, we'd probably get a niche, you know, specific niche. But, and, and also if you work with AutoCAD, you can actually generate AutoCAD from Revit. So this is why we chose Revit. So you're actually outputting an RVT file that then they're taking into their firm RVT template to produce the sheets with the title blocks and all, and all the views yeah. and all, all that in, stuff. In, and in RVT, you can actually, you know, you can produce the sheets themselves. You know, the sheets are, are inside the RVT file, so you can actually generate everything there. Um, you would say, you know, you can generate construction documents with swap in a PDF. You just, you know, export to PDF, everything you have in PDF. Or you can generate, you know, export to Revit, everything is in Revit. This how much user do. intervention or opportunities are there to, as an architect, right? We're deciding stuff that people don't even think about deciding, like where a section cut goes, for instance, because that's going to be a view on a sheet somewhere, a wall section versus a building section that jogs to show something important about spatial relationships or whatever. How much direct user intervention do you have over the AI you know, to make those those kinds of decisions along the way, swap will generate the base for you. Um, you know, as a you know, we all do sections in specific places. You know, I don't know uh, one project that didn't do a section in the elevator core. <laughs> we always have the uh, section in the elevator core. If you have terraces, balconies, you always do section in balconies. Um, if you have corridor, you always do a section in corridor, and you know, and see you know the. You know the the HVAC system, the heights, everything there. There are uh, uh, places that every project, and when you, you know, and, and, uh, and when you use the data in our system, and the data is kind of learning where people uh, put their sections, you, you get you know, not surprising results. That you know there are places that are key for understanding the building. So so we generate this, but you know once we generate the output for our partners. It's easy because they, you know, they can take the Revit files and you know, generate their own section, generate their own thing, you know, they would do whatever they need. So is it a that. handoff to get to Revit or is it, does it stay an active part of the process in swap beyond that? that it depends. Okay. It depends. There are changes that uh, you can take back into the system. Um, we usually call them uh, changes with ca- ca- cascading effect on the projects, or if uh, there are local changes that there's no point to use, you know, the power of AI and automation to do that because, Hey, you know, I just wanted to change something in the lobby. doesn't affect the whole building. I just want to design something there. You know, just go ahead and design it. The human human can do it better than any other uh, software. And I think this is where, you know, uh, architects can, you know, can take our work and, and not bring it back to the software. You guys are also doing a lot of engineering consultant type AI driven stuff as well. When we talk about architecture, it's more than just the shell of the building. It's it's all of that stuff. It's all of the bones. It's all of the systems. It's the nervous systems. It's the circulatory system. It's all this. So I, I think you guys are doing that part of it as well. And obviously a lot of that is algorithm driven. 
is that something where you're bringing these other team members in early as well to help drive what those algorithms are ultimately outputting? I think what what makes us really different in the market, even even in traditional market, not even in technology market, that we have these uh, discipli- uh, uh, disciplines. They have we have these consultants in house in swap, so on on our team. So. Um, we, when we have a project, we're not solving it just for the sake of the design, the architectural design. We solve it as a building. You know, if you, if you think about construction documents, there are not construction documents until you actually had all the consultants say, yes, it's, it's, it, this is other construction documents. This is probably, you know, part of the problem in the industry that, you know, sometimes disciplines are so fragmented and divided that everybody work on their own silo. And then they, when they meet, Oh my God! We didn't know that um, HVAC should be, the, the building will you know both have HVAC and and, and bearing walls. Yeah, surprise! You know, so so um, so. And, and by the way, I don't know why in architecture schools they're not really teaching you that, right? No. It's, you know, if you think about it, we're know, a silo. Nobody, we're an island unto ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Nobody told you, hey, you know, architecture is not. You know, it it doesn't worth much if the building didn't have like all the consultants do their thing, right? So I think that, you know, this is something lacking in, in architecture schools today. Um, but the, and I think this is what differentiates us. Um, but I can tell you something. Again, it's not f- to, to replace the different consultants. Every project that we do, there will be consultants coming in and say, okay, you know, we need to change this or change that. But the main thing is that we will not change the project radically that you'll have to rework the whole thing or you know redraw the whole thing or you know redesign the whole thing this i think this is where where swap is very good at if you ask me in, in a few years from now i don't know what will happen but um today it's this is our process yeah it's fantastic so so let let's do a little bit of that and finish off the the show with what are you excited about with where things are going where do you see things potentially going? Um, because I think that it's incredibly exciting what you're talking about, and I'm hoping firms will will definitely check it out, especially leadership in firms to start to think about this because there are there are so many implications to this. There are business model implications. There are staffing implications. There are the way that we talk about architecture and, and where its value is implications. Um, what what are you excited about with where things go so that so that they have kind of an idea of of where the stars may be leading them in the future i'm i'm very excited about how the the industry is changing um you take 10 years ago the industry looked completely different people were not very you know they, they didn't adopt technology it was not undermined you know you know 2007 when I, you know, when I did this startup about techno, you know, about construction, there were the term construction tech or prop tech didn't exist. It, you, you went to a VC and he told you, you know, construction. Why are you doing construction and technology, technology and architecture? Why? You know, you have to convince them that there is such a thing. You know, why don't you do something for you know, cool app for the iPad? It just came out, right? It, it, that, that was kind of the mindset. Uh, you know, back then, what I'm really, really excited about is this tide effect. You know, today we live in a different world. Look what's going on. 
you know, you have a podcast about technology and architecture. I would guess that every week you find something new and exciting to talk to and someone, someone to talk to. Um, and after that, there are like few others coming, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's mind blowing how, you know, technology is getting into construction so fast and how adopting the companies are, you know, people, people used to say that, oh, construction is so conservative and nobody's adopting technology. It's very much changing today. And I think it's changing because there was a tight effect of startups coming in. Uh, a lot of money was pouring into this market because, you know, this is kind of recognized here. This is like, hey, there's a blue ocean here. You know, trillions, trillions of dollars, you know, without a lot of technology, you know, let's move from cyber, let's move from all these things to, to construction. And then the solution got solutions that companies developed got matured. And then the industry started reacting to that. And companies today, and you said, hey, you know, how architects are, you know, receiving what, what you're saying. You'll be surprised, Evan. You'll be surprised. They are welcoming us and saying, oh my God, you know, we want to be a part of it. You know, we understand that the industry is changing as fast and, and we need to be there. So this is why I'm so excited because the things that I experienced in 2007, 2008 are very much different than what I experienced today. Yeah, big shifts. Well, I'm excited for you and I, I'm rooting for you. This is, this is fantastic news. I'm really happy to hear that you are being welcomed and that the industry is excited about what you guys are doing. And I think in general, and that's really what this show is about, it's kind of exposing that and not taking people along the ride so that they're aware of it and, and technology like what you're offering with, with Swap. So I'm definitely excited about that. Where can people find out more about Swap, see, see the, the, the technology in action, things like that? And I'll include all the links to anything that you want to mention now in the show notes for people to see. Very easy. Swap.net. Swap with, with double P, S-W-A-P-P, dot net. Um, look it up. We have a very easy to fill in form. Uh, you can just write your name, what you're looking for, and we'll get back to you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Eitan. This has been fantastic conversation. And, and you know, there's so much more, I think, that we could talk about when it comes to the true value of architectural training and thinking and that is potentially being misapplied in so many ways in so many firms. And I, I really feel like this is kind of the door, a peek through the door, the opening has, has really opened up and in, in to see what's possible. So, so definitely been a fantastic conversation. Thanks for having it with me today. Appreciate it, Evan. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you to Avail for their support of this podcast episode. Visit getavail.com to see their holistic approach to content management today. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. You can see all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. You can help support what I'm doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and of course, share it with your friends. I'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at trxl.co slash podcast, where you can find every episode. 
You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Just search for E. Troxel. Talk to you soon.